Education standards and certification is a time for a rethink. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ruth Adong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial. Countries around the world are striving to improve their educational systems with a view of improving their economy and society. A paper on education reforms found that while global competition, national and international test results are of considerable interest, national testing is showing little to no improvement over the years on a global scale. Educationists have for a long time been advocating for evidence-based curriculums that empower educators to deliver fully integrated instruction and give all students the opportunity to achieve academic, behavioral, adaptive and social or emotional success. Siddharth Santosh, research consultant with Center for Policy Research, joins us for this episode. Are the current education standards gatekeeping students from their full potential? education system is not serving those who it's meant to anymore because it's just simply pointless. You're, you're learning something in school that you are somebody told you would be good for you. You're not able to apply what you're learning outside of school and it's going nowhere after that, right? And I think that's, that's an important problem we're facing in India as well where we're still using these colonial systems of education. We're still using this one-size-fits-all model which I think is, it doesn't work out. It simply doesn't work. We have seen it fail time and again. So then the question that comes after that is how do you change it? Do you do you reimagine, do you rethink what our education systems are based on? Or do you try to fix things that are there right now, right? That's that's the big question we're asking right now. Everybody, I mean, is re, re, trying to rethink things. We must rethink our values. We must rethink uh, the, the exact intentions that we have. And we must also rethink the capacity that we have to be able to deliver these new goals that we might be committing to, right? And I think that's that's a very important question. Every country needs to answer for themselves they need to and it's not education is not just something that the government provides i i'm completely i mean learning and education there's two differences but there's differences between education and learning right learning happens at home learning happens on the streets learning happens at school education that's being provided by the school is just one small aspect of where learning takes place now education that's been provided by the school it works on many there's like so many different dynamics of it if you think about it from a systems point of view You've got the government, you've got the government that sits at, you know, the state level or at the level that's co- covering the entire country. Then you go one level below that, you'll have districts or you'll have states in some countries. Then you go one level below that, you'll have blocks or you'll have clusters of villages coming together. And then you'll have villages and you'll have cities, uh, contrary, you know, the counterparts of villages, right? Going back to the point that when we are thinking of changing things, we need to be very specific about where we want to change things. And it's not just this ministry of education that works in different countries and the teachers and the schools, but it's also the families. They have to come together to work with the schools. And what we're also seeing is non-state actors, right? The GEM report that came out from uh, UNESCO is is an important, uh, was putting a lot of focus on this, the role of non-state actors. That is, what are private players doing in the entire situation? We were mentioning that private schools are... um, able to charge a lot and students are able to go ahead, but public schools aren't. So is there any way we can all be working together? That's a question that we need to answer for ourselves, right? Um, What are other civil society organizations? What are NGOs? What are organizations where citizens come together to volunteer? What are they really doing uh, right now? And are they willing to support these education systems that already exist? From what I've observed in India, um, they are. And from what I'm also seeing with general trends across the world, there are organizations that are willing to do this. There are private donor agencies that are able to fund these 
not-for-profits that are able to go and work. There is a call for a more varied approach to certification in education. How can this be done to ensure that standards are still observed? These degrees that we need, so the number of skills that are technical in the number of jobs that we have, the possible, you know, the vast variety, the whole ocean, if you're looking at jobs that are available, the number of ones that are highly technical are very, very less. The jobs that we need in our countries right now are not stuff that are technical. I mean, a teacher who does not have a certification in so many countries across Africa and India, teachers do not have the basic certification they need to be able to teach, but they're doing, ama- they're doing an amazing job. They're teaching really well. I don't, and the students are learning at the end of the day, aren't they? They're learning these skills that are super important. And even, and we underappreciate the value of us learning skills that we can, I mean, us learning by ourselves, right? That not all of these courses necessarily, I mean, it's good to have standards. It ensures that the quality that comes out is good. But these standards shouldn't become something that gatekeeps again. Everybody else from, you know, taking part in it, not just in providing the service, but also consuming the service, right? So I do believe that it should, the standards must be rethought just like everything else. The standards must be rethought and we must look at organizations that are now trying to meet up to these standards. We must ensure that these processes that we create are accessible. Um, Say, for example, if somebody wants to become a fisherman, they're not going to get certification anywhere, right? So... The same way somebody who wants to become a journalist should not necessarily need a certification, but even if they do, and even if that's a, there is a system of you believing that this helps them get better, this helps us identify the best people to be able to do these limited jobs. I believe these systems must be created such that everybody's given a fair chance to start off with and everybody is, everybody plays to their strengths and that's recognized. That's, that's just what I think the standards yeah. should, standards of assessment, standards of, uh, standards of quality should be really high-end. That was Siddharth Santosh, research consultant with Centre for Policy Research. A quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast. In South Africa, exports weigh on trade surplus in January. Now, merchandise exports dropped by 16.1% month-on-month in January to reach just over 130 billion rand. Imports remained largely unchanged on a month-on-month basis during the month, coming in just under 127 billion rand. This resulted in a marked reduction in the merchandise trade surplus from 29 billion rand in December 2021 to just over 3 billion rand during the first month of the new year. The main drivers behind the month-on-month drop in exports were the precious metals and stones and vehicles and transport equipment subsectors. In turn, the January imports figures reflect a notable decrease in mineral product imports, counterweighed by higher imports of machinery and wood products. Exports dropped across the board from a regional perspective, with exports to the Americas and Asia in particular seeing a reduction relative to December 2021. Imports from Africa and Asia eased somewhat, but this was offset by increased imports from Europe and the Americas. Asia remains South Africa's main export destination, accounting for a third of the exports in January, followed by Europe at 27% and Africa at 24%. Imports are dominated by Asia, with just over half of all imports stemming from the latter region. In Sudan, inflation eased in January, according to the Central Bureau of Statistics. Consumer price index inflation 
Consumer price index inflation slowed for the sixth consecutive month to 259.8% year-on-year in January, compared to 318.2% year-on-year in December. Although the annual inflation rate has subsidized, it remains among the highest in the world. Data from the latest monthly performance of the Economy Report in Uganda, published by its Ministry of Finance, Planning and Economic Development, indicates that the government was able to stick to its planned deficit in January. A total deficit came at 1.3 trillion Uganda shillings against a planned deficit of 1. A total deficit. The total deficit came in at 1.31 trillion Uganda shillings against a planned deficit of 1.30 trillion. While total revenue and grants came in below target, the government managed to meet its deficit target for the month by cutting development expenditure. Total revenue and grants amounted to 1.85 trillion Uganda shillings in January, falling below the 2.03 trillion target set for the month. This shortfall was driven by jury performances in most major tax revenue streams, despite the lifting of restrictions during the month as revenues continue to be adversely affected by the pandemic. Direct tax revenue gain came in below budget on account of lower collections in withholding tax, rental income tax and the presumptive tax. And a quick look at the markets. Arabica coffee futures on ISE were trading around 2.4 dollars, its lowest since January 31st, on expectations of lower demand. Worries are growing that Russia's invasion of Ukraine could derail the global growth, curbing consumer spending and reducing coffee consumption. Meanwhile, the outlook for crop production in top producer Brazil has improved on prospects of adequate rains this season. Brazilian farmers expected to harvest 58.9 million. 60 kilogram bags of coffee in the new season, that is 2022-2023, a bit more than the 53.7 million bags they produced in the previous cycle that was hit by drought and frost. Still, global supplies of Arabica coffee remain tight amid ongoing logistical issues due to the pandemic, along with the effects of climate change. Certified ISE Arabica stocks continue to fall to 1.03 million bags, their lowest volume for the last 20 years and down sharply from 1.54 million bags at the end of 2021. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. And if you have suggestions or you want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial.